and welcome to this Endo Life episode 102. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an endo health coach and endo warrior, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here for informational purposes only and shouldn't be used in place of your current medical treatment. As always, I want to thank our first sponsor today, BU. These guys are the makers of the incredible period patches that I love and also a beautiful organic CBD range, menstrual cup and chafing cream. And they really are one of the pioneers of natural and really quite revolutionary period care, in my opinion. I have seen these period patches change people's experience of their periods so dramatically and their experience of endometriosis so dramatically. And they are really one of the first things that I recommend to my clients if my clients are going through a flare-up or it's taken a while for their symptoms to calm down and for us to implement changes. I still want to provide my clients with something that's going to provide relief, you know, in that current moment. And I always recommend BU period patches because I just believe in them so much and they have helped me so much and they're natural. And it's just when you are so commonly faced with all of these different drugs that can have side effects, um, they have their place, but sometimes you just want a more uh, side effect free option. So um, I absolutely love these patches. They've been helping me through a interstitial cystitis flare-up that I've been going through recently. You can find out all about that on Instagram. Um, and if you want to try the BU patches for yourself, you can just head to the link in my show notes or go straight to their website, which is buonline.co.uk. So that's b-e-y-o-u-online.co.uk. If you are in the US or in Canada, you can actually also order your BU patches from Cult Beauty and they will ship to the US or to Canada. So that's cultbeauty.co.uk. Let me know how you get on with them. Hi guys, happy bank holiday if you are having a bank holiday and if you're not, then I hope you're still having a lovely day. So today's episode is, let's see if I can do it, probably can't, going to be another one of those sort of bite-sized ones. And I really want to make these quite practical and tangible for you so you can go away and actually action some of the tips without it feeling overwhelming. And this week I'm due on, I'm due on on Thursday or Friday. So I'm preparing for my period. And so I thought I would share six tips this week that can help you to prepare for your period so that you have less endo pain. Now, ideally, you know, we're supporting our body all month long. Um, but if you're new to managing your endometriosis, this is a really great place to start because it just makes those changes quite manageable and you really only have to focus on those changes in, in one week. I think these tips are also worth doing anyway, even if you are already doing stuff all month long because they just sort of compound and enhance the benefits of anything you've done throughout the month. And they can help you if you've maybe had a lot of stress or if you've like eaten more inflammatory foods than you normally would, or something's happened that you think might worsen your endometriosis pain, these can kind of sort of help to lessen the damage, so to speak. 
And the way that these strategies work is they help to lower inflammation in the body. And we know that inflammation is the root cause behind most of the pain with endometriosis. And so lowering the inflammation lowers our pain. And um, some of these strategies also help to relax the body's pain signals so that when your period arrives, the intensity of the pain is lessened. Some of you might experience like a complete reduction in pain with these strategies. I've got one or two clients who actually have, but I would say with most people, depending really on their lifestyle and diet, um, they might need to do more throughout the month to kind of get the reduction they're looking for. But certainly these strategies can reduce overall pain when your period arrives. Um, But everyone's different. So try what appeals to you. You don't have to try all of them. You might want to try one and then add another the following month, but um, try them out and see what works for you. Okay, so the first one we're starting with is magnesium-rich baths. So a lovely uh, strategy to use. I kind of want us to take the approach that we're looking at the preparation for your period as a bit of a spa week, an at-home spa week. So with magnesium baths, a study found that we need about 500 grams to 600 grams of Epsom salt baths two to three times a week to replenish magnesium levels and feel the benefits that we're looking for with magnesium, which is often like lowering pain. And we need to have that bath for 10 to 30 minutes. 10 minutes really is the minimum. And what we know is that women in the UK, up to 50% of women in the UK are magnesium deficient. And magnesium gets used up when we're stressed, it gets used up in our periods. So arguably, a lot of us with endometriosis are quite stressed. So we probably have lower levels of magnesium. And this doesn't just apply to the UK as well. I don't have the studies on hand, but I do know that women in America have lower levels of magnesium off the top of my head. Um, And you'll have to do some research in your own country regarding that. But it's a common nutrient that many of us are deficient in. And magnesium helps to relax muscles and lower inflammation. So, and in fact, supplementing with magnesium as well has been shown to reduce pain uh, with with painful periods. So I'm not talking about supplements in this case, I'm talking about using baths because baths is a really wonderful way to absorb the magnesium through the skin. Um, And that can be really helpful if your body has trouble absorbing and digesting magnesium. I take magnesium supplements, but I'm deficient because of my SIBO. I can't properly absorb my magnesium. So having baths really helps me to replenish my magnesium levels. So having two to three baths with like 600 grams of magnesium for 30 minutes is a really wonderful way to replenish those magnesium levels, lower inflammation and calm down the muscles and the tension in the pelvic area so that your pelvis isn't so tight and so inflamed by the time your pain comes around so that you're not sort of reacting from a really high level of tension and inflammation already, your level's a bit lower. So the kind of intensity is not going to be as strong. Okay, number two is adding in omega-3 fatty acids. So omega-3 fatty acids are the beneficial fats that are found in fatty fish, walnuts, chia seeds, and they have been found to be crucial for health. 
and reducing inflammation in multiple studies. They've also been shown to reduce pain in people with dysmenorrhea, so that's painful periods, um, in a couple of studies. And they've been shown to reduce the size of endometriosis adhesions in mice treated with fish oil in comparison to the mice that weren't treated with fish oil. I know it's a horrible study and you know how big I am on animal welfare, but that's what we've got to work with at the moment. And I use fish oil or vegan EPA or DHA with my clients. And the doses that we that are most beneficial and that we use at the Integrative Women's Health Institute is a thousand milligrams to three thousand milligrams. And you can kind of have you generally need supplements to get like that kind of therapeutic amount because due to the mercury content in our seas, we can only really have about two portions of fatty fish a week. I think that's the NHS recommendation. So you could have like two portions of fatty fish that week and then boost it with some omega-3 fatty acids uh, supplements if you can afford it and go for a fish oil or go for um, a vegan EPA and DHA supplement. You're not going to get the um, easy to absorb omega-3s from walnuts and chia seeds. They have to be converted in our gut and not, not all of us can actually do that. So there are a couple of supplements that I really like and one that is completely toxin-free. They tested it for um, mercury and dioxin content and it's free from those. It's it's really one of the best. best. It's sustainably sourced and it's a therapeutic clinical dose of 3,000 milligrams is Lion's Heart. So I'll put the link to that in my show notes. It's not cheap but you could maybe look at the kind of qualities of that and compare it to a few other supplements if you want to go for something cheaper. Um, and there are a couple others that I'll put in my notes, show notes as well. Of course, with supplements, always um, consult your GP when you're adding in new supplements. Obviously, I'm not a doctor or a dietitian, so I'm not prescribing you these supplements, but I'm letting you know the dosages that um, we're trained in at Integrated Women's Health Institute. Oh, and also it's worth mentioning that you can find these dosage recommendations in Dr. Jessica Drummond's book, Outsmart Your Outsmart Endometriosis. Um, so I'll link to the free Kindle version of that in the show notes. Okay, number three is adding in daily lattes and teas. So hopefully this is a nice, pleasurable and fairly simple one for you guys to implement. So firstly, I really recommend making a big batch of turmeric milk to heat and drink as a latte in the lead up to your period on a daily basis. So I have a recipe in my book and you can also get it for free on, I can't remember whose blog it's on. It's either on BU or it's on Semaine. Either way, I'll put the link in um, the show notes. And my latte includes ginger, turmeric, cinnamon, along with a few other herbs and spices like vanilla and cardamom and black pepper. And ginger, cinnamon and turmeric, especially turmeric, are some of the most anti-inflammatory spices you can, you can consume. So at the Integrated Women's Health Institute, we use up to 400 milligrams for endometriosis. And that's the kind of maximum dosage that Dr. Jessica 
Drummond recommends in her book. But Nicole Jardim, in her book, uh, Fix Your Period, she recommends 500 milligrams to 1,000 milligrams of curcumin, which is the active compound of turmeric uh, for endometriosis per day. And I actually personally prefer this higher dose that makes more of a difference for me. And so each serving of my latte contains a gram of turmeric. So there's a thousand milligrams to a gram. So if you're having half a teaspoon of turmeric, which is what's in my um, latte, you're having a thousand milligrams. You're having a gram of turmeric. So, and even if that turmeric is a bit too strong for you, because some people turmeric can be a bit strong, you could go to a quarter of a teaspoon and you're still getting 500 milligrams. Um, so you can easily get that in a day. Ginger-wise, Aviva Rom, Dr. Aviva Rom, she's a women's health expert. She recommends 1,000 milligrams to 2,000 milligrams split across the day. So that's 500 milligrams twice or four times a day before um, in the lead up to your period. I find ginger quite a powerful taste. So you could split that between your latte, a ginger tea, and maybe you could make up a batch of carrot and ginger soup. So you're having like that dosage split across the day. Or, you know, if you'd just rather sp- uh, stick to like a thousand milligrams, you could just try and get that in tea and a latte. So my latte uses a quarter to a half teaspoon of ginger, which is about 300 milligrams to 700 milligrams. And I do recommend ginger root powder because that's the what the studies have used. Um, and ginger tea actually is also great for nausea. So if you find yourself nauseous before or on your period, sipping ginger tea could help. And one of my clients actually has terrible nausea every single morning and cramps and it causes her to vomit and she can't eat. Uh, for hours. And since we've been introducing ginger tea in the morning, the nausea has started to subside and she can eat earlier. Another thing about ginger is it's been shown to be as effective as methanamic acid in studies when used three times a day at 500 milligrams per dose from day one to three um, of your period. So again, that's about 1.5 grams of ginger. So you could split that across teas. That's what I tend to do. I make up ginger teas and ginger lattes throughout the day during my period. And I know one of my other clients, when we she was on methanamic acid and using supplements in this dose allowed her to come off the methanamic acid. And she now has pain-free periods, which is amazing. So other teas that you could include throughout the week um, in the lead up of your period could be raspberry leaf tea. And raspberry leaf tea, for some people, reduces cramps. I know um, people who find it really, really effective. Personally, I need to try it again, but I tried it years ago and didn't find it enough. But perhaps that was to do with the lifestyle and nutrition changes I had or hadn't made at that point. I will say when you're looking for raspberry leaf tea, just get it pure and without anything added. Some teas have a blend of like honey or like fruits in there and added sugar and that's actually not going to help you in the long run so just get some pure 
raspberry leaf tea. And if you don't like the flavor, you could always combine it with maybe peppermint or ginger or another tea, uh, tea that you like. And then dandelion leaf tea is also a wonderful tea to add in. And I use that all month long, but particularly in my luteal phase in the lead up to my period. And the reason why I use that is because dandelion leaf tea can help to support the liver in removing toxins and excess uh, an old estrogen. So if you're suffering with estrogen dominance and the symptoms of that might look like bloating, PMS, painful breasts, cramps, heavy bleeding, then dandelion tea could help you with that. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. BU make natural, organic products to help us to manage our periods, sleep well, and achieve a greater sense of well-being. Their product line is expanding all the time with just amazing products that I, I love. I'm so happy that this company exists because they're natural for a start. And they really focus on menstrual well-being, and that's just so important to me. They have a CBD balm, CBD drops, CBD sprays. Um, that can all help you to manage your um, menstrual pain. They have patches which you can use during the beginning of your period and the lead up to your period to soothe pain and the endometriosis community love them. There's also the sleep pillow mist. So if you're really trying to improve your sleep or you're trying to reduce levels of anxiety when you're sleeping, the sleep pillow mist is just full of soothing essential oils to help with that. They have a menstrual cup now and a menstrual cup foaming cleanser. Um, so if you can wear menstrual cups, then I totally recommend BU. Their cup is made with um, 100% soft medical grade silicone. There's no PBA, no latex, no dye. As I said, all of their products are natural. The company are really committed to women's rights, menstrual health, and good quality products. And I mean, obviously I know them personally because they're my sponsors and they're just a lovely company to support. So if you're interested in having a look at their range, the link is in my show notes. Um, I would love to hear what you think and how you get on with them. Be you. Start soothing period cramps a natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis diet grocery list. This download gives you basically a lowdown of what I eat every week on um, a monthly basis and my personal take on the endometriosis diet. It's not a protocol, set protocol that you have to or should follow, but it is here to serve you, give you inspiration and help you see what eating for endometriosis might look like in real life. It's there for you to kind of take inspiration from and help you put your own approach together. To download it, just head to my show notes and follow the link to get your free copy. Okay, number four. So number four is adding in yoga or stretches for pelvic pain, ideally daily if possible. Now, if you've listened to any of my interviews about the pelvic floor, you'll know how important the pelvic floor is for lowering pain signals and just basically improving your quality of life with endometriosis. 
So by alleviating the tension in the muscles and alleviating the pressure around the nerves in your pelvic floor, you're basically preparing your pelvis and that area for when the pain does come or, you know, if and when it does come on your period. And by that point, you're less kind of tightly wound. Your your muscles are looser. So, you know, if they do become tense, which is likely if you're in pain, you're probably going to tense up. You might curl up into a ball. You're not kind of adding pain upon pain, right? Because when you've lived with chronic pain, your muscles and your nerves get hypersensitive and get tighter and more tense as the years have go on. And that actually increases pain signals, pain, inflammation in that area. So we're just kind of compounding the problem. Now, if we can reduce that tension and that nerve sensitivity in the week leading up to your period, we can hopefully have less of an intense reaction from your muscles and nerves when and if the pain does kick in during your period. Now, when it comes to the pelvic floor, it does require like quite a lot of months work to reduce that pain and reduce that tightness, but it's still going to be beneficial to be adding in yoga for endometriosis and yoga for pelvic pain and yoga and stretches for endometriosis in the lead up to your period. It's going to reduce the tension in that area. Yoga is really beneficial for, and, and stretching really helps to lower cortisol and um, stress levels. So all of these can have a massive impact on reducing pain signals overall. Your brain is less kind of hypersensitive to pain. It's less stressed. So that just makes it calm down. It's not kind of firing off pain signals left, right, and center. And so adding in these daily stretches can just ensure that your body isn't kind of reacting in such a heightened way when your period does arrive. Now I've got two resources that I really recommend, actually three resources I really recommend with my clients. So um, a yoga for endometriosis video and stretches for endometriosis and some fascia release for endo as well. So I'm going to link those in the show notes and you can maybe try one of those. Number five, you guys knew it was coming, but I have kept it to like lower down. So this one is reduce or ideally eliminate added sugar in the week leading up towards your period. So we know sugar is inflammatory. It blocks anti-inflammatory chemicals and it stimulates the production of inflammatory chemicals. I know personally for me, if I accident, I mean, I haven't accidentally eaten sugar on my period for years now but the last time I did I had done everything that I normally do for endometriosis and at that point I was having you know good periods and then I accidentally drank well I didn't accidentally drink it but I I drank a milk like a I don't know I can't remember almond milk or something with cacao in it and I literally thought it was just almond and cacao but it had date syrup in it it had about 14 grams of date syrup and the pain kicked in within about 30 minutes and um, I had to leave because the pain was so bad, but I could barely get myself home. So for me, I'm very sensitive to sugar and a lot of my clients, if they're not quite ready to make other changes, we just work on reducing their sugar. And one of my clients had had has had extraordinary results from reducing her sugar intake, literally from like 
eight, level eight on the pain scale out of 10, she's, she now doesn't get pain. And that's from reducing her sugar intake. Now, this doesn't mean you can't eat anything sweet in the lead up to your period, because I know that's the time that we tend to crave it. Uh, you could go for something like berries. Berries are full of antioxidants and antioxidants are lower inflammation. And so therefore lower pain, but also stevia and inulin root syrup are great sugar-free natural alternatives. So I will recommend the stevia drops and the stevia powder and the inulin root syrup that I like to use in the show notes. I'll put the links to those. And you can also get some incredible sugar-free chocolate now. So I will also link to those in the show notes, but you can get what I tend to go for, like the 100% black chocolate, which is quite intense. You really need to build up to that. If you don't like dark chocolate, then get used to dark chocolate and then try that. But there's also another company called, I think they're called So Free, and they do a chocolate that's sweetened with stevia. And that's a lot, it's still dark, but it's more milky. So I'll link to that. Um, in the show notes, but you could do popcorn, like make your own popcorn that you've sweetened, uh, you've drizzled over with true inulin syrup. That's what I do. It's delicious. You could try making some of my brownies. I'll link to those in the show notes. I think off the top of my head, my brownies are 1.5 grams of sugar per brownie. You could make uh, one of my hot chocolates. I've got the recipe for that on, I think it's actually in my on my blog. So I'll put that in there. Or you could just have, you know, chocolate in the house in the form of like one of the ones that I've mentioned. Um, or you could try looking up recipes, making your own, or if you have a sweet tooth, that's not around hot chocolate, then what I would recommend is I haven't released these recipes yet because I just haven't had time, but, um, I make sweet laurels bakery recipes, her cakes with, inulin syrup instead of maple syrup. And she uses almond flour, but I use ground almonds because I just can't find almond flour for an affordable price in the UK. And so I adapt her recipes and I've adapted them again and again and again, and they work every single time. So um, you could have a look at that and try playing around with recipes or, you know, look in health shops and see what you can find sugar-free. Planet Organic do some amazing truffles, actually, that are low sugar and they're sweetened only with inulin root syrup. So I'll link to those as well. Now, if you feel this isn't too triggering for you and you're open to doing it because, you know, it's just a couple of days and you're like, yeah, I, you know, I can do that. Other inflammatory foods you might want to consider reducing would be fried foods and trans fats, which are known inflammatory foods, such as like French fries, margarine, sunflower oil, you know, so sugar and trans fats, we know like categorically are inflammatory foods and are better in very, very small quantities for all of us. Now, caffeine, dairy and gluten can be inflammatories for some of us. Now, I know some health experts who argue they're inflammatory for all of us, but I'm still kind of on the fence with that. So at this point, I do see people have really good results from at least reducing some of these, but I think it's, it's individual. So it would be about testing what you respond to most, but over, you know, over the months, you might want to try like, okay, well, what happens if I reduce sugar and gluten in the week 
in the lead up towards my period. That could be something you try. And then you try, okay, I'll try sugar and reducing caffeine in the lead up towards my period and then seeing what happens with that. I would say that even though the studies have shown that caffeine can be inflammatory or anti-inflammatory for people that when it comes to our hormones and endometriosis, I tend to find that caffeine does cause problems for people. But the point number five is about sugar, but I just wanted to add in those kind of extra bonuses in case any of you are wondering, but you know, you know, you've heard me talk about gluten, you've heard me talk about caffeine and dairy. So I just wanted to mention those. And, you know, it's your choice. If you find any of this triggering, you don't have to do it. These are just all options for you to play with. And if you have a history of an eating disorder or you find this emotionally triggering, kind of like eliminating a food, I would suggest that if you want to do it, you work with a dietitian or nutritionist. And there's a couple of episodes I've got on my podcast about gluten, dairy, sugar and caffeine that I will link in the show notes and also on my conversation with Molly about dairy, gluten and sugar and endometriosis and how she works with people who do have a history of an eating disorder and what she does around those um, food groups. Okay, and the final one, um, I've been saving the best for last, is eat vegetables, guys. Eat the rainbow. There's a study that found that People with endometriosis have lower levels of antioxidants. So antioxidants are the plant nutrients found in vegetables that help to alleviate oxidation, which is a damaging process that occurs in the body and causes inflammation. By adding in fruits and vegetables, they actually found that antioxidant levels rose and oxidation levels fell. So the more vegetables we can add in and the more color we can add in, the more antioxidants we can get in. So think eat the rainbow. Are you getting in like red, green, yellow, purple, you know, all of these lovely colors into your daily diet and aim for between five to 10 portions a day of fruit and vegetables. The NHS recommends five a day as a minimum, but actually the research shows that 10 per day is beneficial for optimum health. But the NHS didn't think that we would do 10 a day. So they made five the minimum target because they felt that was more realistic. So, you know, you could get like two portions of fruit and vegging with your breakfast, three portions in at lunch, three portions in at dinner. So what's that? Six, seven, eight. So then you've got two snacks where you get in your other two portions. If you are very new to adding in fruits and vegetables, just start where you are. Don't be overwhelmed and think, oh my God, I'm only eating one portion. How am I going to get in 10? Start slowly and start, you know, with good intentions two portions is better than one, three portions are better than two. So just take it at a pace that feels comfortable for you. The last thing I want to do is overwhelm you or make you feel more stressed about this. But, you know, remember, you're not eating vegetables because you have endometriosis. You eat vegetables because you're a human being and we all need five to 10 servings of fruit and vegetables a day. So this isn't about your endometriosis. This is just about you being healthy, a healthy individual. And actually doing this has really positive effects on your endometriosis and lowers antioxidants, uh, lowers your oxidation levels, therefore lowers your inflammation levels and lowers your pain levels. So 
It's something that we all should be doing, but it has benefits for endometriosis. So as always, do what feels right for you. If any of this feels triggering or you can't afford it, adapt it to how best suits your lifestyle um, and your values and your beliefs. And the links to everything is in my show notes. And yeah, I hope it's helpful. I'm going to do another one of these episodes based on what to eat in the lead up to your period. And that's going to be focusing on foods to add in that's going to help to lower inflammation and help you to have a better period. So stay tuned for that. And let me know if this episode was helpful for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world.